0: The right resolution is for to just be reinstated as a coach and let me be able to give thanks after a football game. It is a form of pressure, a form of coercion. We're worried that that the students will feel he gets to put me into a football game or not. He gets to, you know, give me an A in math class or not. And this is a kind of coercion that's improper for 16-year-olds. It's so much fun to have all of you back. Uh, Before we get into our show, there's a couple of new words in the uh, Webster's Dictionary. I had so many comments about the the new words thing. So here's a a few ones. Dumb phone. Dumb phone is now an official word in the Webster's Dictionary. And you could use dumb phone. It kind of makes sense, right? Because back in the day, we'd always say smartphone. So a dumb phone is a phone that does not have the advanced software features that a smartphone has (laughs) so that's a new word Uh, another new word laggy l-a-g-g-y so you could say something like oh that app is laggy right Um, whereas back in the day you'd have to say something you know um, kind of difficult like that app lags (laughs) so now you could just say that app is laggy so you could use the word lag as an adjective in addition to a verb And my final one for the day, janky, uh, of poor quality, not functioning properly or adequately. Janky, kind of like junky. (laughs) But a lot of people, I guess kids these days, they like to sound cool. So instead of saying that car is junky, they say that car is janky. All right. So those are three new words. And one of my challenges I always say in some sort of professional letter or a pleading or, you know, a court pleading or, you know, whatever, like an invoice, try to incorporate one of these words. (laughs) That's like the goal. And if you do show me the document. All right. Uh, And I'll, and I'll throw a shout out to you in the next show. All right. Uh, Now we go to our case. This is a freaking crazy case. It's an interesting case. And you're going to learn about the, you know, First Amendment, you're going to learn about procedure, about jurisdiction, and all of it with this interesting case. We have a coach, Coach Kennedy, uh, who was a coach until he got fired in the state of Washington um, in Kitsap County, uh, in the Burlington School District. Okay. So, this high school football coach, uh, after the game, he would pray uh in the uh like in the middle of the field after the game. this is something common in football, like after the and in most sports, like there will be a group that prays. So he would do that. And then over time he has been working at that school district since 2008, all right? Uh before that, he's a former Marine and uh what happened is over time is a lot of his uh football players would pray with him, sometimes adults, you know, sometimes parents would pray, you know, like a quick like a 1 minute prayer after the game maybe two minutes you know and then sometimes uh players from the opposite team would would uh do that and they'd all kind of you know he that's what they did and then he got fired okay um oh, by the way okay so i remember i read speaking of funny words uh so coach kennedy knelt uh after the game all right you could say he knelt Or you could say he kneeled. (laughs) Those two words are exactly the same in terms of meaning. So you could say either one. Okay. Um, I always like to use kneeled or, you know, like the longer word just so I sound, you know, professional. All right. So anyway, so he would kneel after the game and, and this and that, and then he gets fired. So this happened in October 2015. So... Uh, right now it's March 2023. We are about almost let's say seven and a half years later we have a resolution, okay And we' I'm gonna walk you through seven and a half years of litigation uh, where it ends up where he wins big, okay uh, and, it, and and now the, the seven and a half years of litigation. Uh, okay, so what happened was uh, so he he was working at the school since 2008. And for seven years, he had this practice. And it wasn't until the 2015 season where it picked up, you know, like uh, people would join him. And the way the the superintendent of the school found out about this was that a parent from the other school sent a letter and the letter was actually saying, this is so amazing that this is going on. And then the superintendent is like, what? What do you mean? This is amazing. You know, let me look into this. He looks into it and then they sent the coach a letter saying, you better freaking stop doing this or you're going to get fired. All right. Um, And they also heard like sometimes when he was giving speeches, like he would reference God like in a, like a, a, like speech in a locker room, you know, it was like, come on guys, you know, God is looking after you or something like that. He would say uh, he stopped that. He's like, okay, I won't reference the name ever again. So that one was off the table, so to speak. And they also told him you got to stop kneeling after the game's uh, he stopped for one game, and then he he said, "You know what? I'm not serving God properly. I'm gonna do it." You know, and uh, and then that's when he gets fired. He got fired on October 2015, and uh, he must have said a prayer for a lot of lawyers too, because a lot of lawyers ended up making a lot of money on this case. Okay, so here we go. He files a lawsuit against the school for firing him, claiming that it was a uh, a violation of the First Amendment right to free exercise, uh, you know, of, of religion. Now, by the way, the school clearly did not consult Joe Samo about this. Okay. Because what the school was concerned about was getting sued by a student, uh, saying that, Oh, you know, by, by this coach kneeling and praying and, and other kids joining him and things like that. It's kind of, uh, making me look bad or coercing me, uh, you know, something like that. So they were worried that they might get sued by students, and that's why they fired him. Now, this is what Joe Samuel always tells people is this. I would have told them in 2015, I would have said, listen, school district, if you fire him, Coach Kennedy, he's going to sue you. And if you don't fire him and let him do this, you might get a lawsuit. So what I always tell clients is, I prefer might get sued over definitely get sued. All right. So you don't want to get sued definitely to prevent yourself from maybe getting sued. Right. Does that make sense? You know, that's what I would have told them. Okay. So anyway, so they, but they didn't call me, obviously. They sued him in October 2015. He files a lawsuit against some uh, Joseph Kennedy, not JFK's dad. All right. He died a long time ago. Uh, not the Joseph Kennedy. This is Coach Joseph Kennedy in Washington State. So he sues the school district, and he sues them for a violation of his free speech um, and and uh, the you know First Amendment of the Constitution, the Fourteenth Amendment equal protection clause. So can he sue the school district? Now the school district is the state of Washington. Okay, because it's a part of the state of Washington. It was a public school. Um, he the preference for the state is to get sued in state court. However. If you file a lawsuit and there is what's called a federal question, then you have j- jurisdiction, okay, to sue the school district in a federal court because it's a federal question. So that gives you the subject matter jurisdiction. And as long as you sue that school district in the federal court where the school is located, and that's what they did in Washington state, so it's the federal court in Washington state that federal court has personal dur- jurisdiction over that school district. What he couldn't do, the coach, is he can't sue them in federal court in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, right? Because that, he would have subject matter jurisdiction, but he would not have personal jurisdiction over a Washington school in Omaha, Nebraska. Do you see what I'm saying? So he sues them in the federal court. Now comes this uh, this lawsuit, okay, um, Here we go. (laughs) This is my one of my favorite things to explain. The first few years of the lawsuit was over what's called a preliminary injunction. Okay, get this. All right, I'm about to tell you uh, how it goes down. The first few years of the lawsuit. Half of you are going to think I'm lying about what I'm about to say, and the other half of you are going to be sure I am lying (laughs) about what I'm about to say. Okay. So when he files his lawsuit in the in the district court, uh, his first request was, can I I want to get my job back? I want to have a, you know, a preliminary injunction against their firing so that I could work at the school district, you know, until the case is decided. You know, so he wants to have kind of an interim order, it's called. Right. Um, so that because in case the case takes a long time, at least he has a job, you know, um, in the meantime, the district court said. No, they rejected that. They said, you know, um, it, it, you know, there are standards for preliminary injunction. You have to prove, you know, you have a good case, you're likely to win, and that's going to cause irreparable harm if we can't, you know, order it for you, uh, this and that. And so the court ruled against him, and they said, you can't have your job during the case. All right. So what he did, uh, that took a long time. Then he appealed that decision to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. All right. And then he's in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. Uh, that takes a long time. And then ultimately, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal decides that uh, he cannot have that preliminary injunction. OK, uh, he didn't lose the case or anything. Just he didn't get that preliminary injunction. Then he filed an appeal to the United States Supreme Court in the year 2019. Now, he um, You need four Supreme Court justices to agree to take the case so that the case can be decided. Isn't that crazy? The first few months of your case in the United States Supreme Court, the judges have to decide if they're going to decide the case, (laughs) all right? And what happened in 2019 was that the Supreme Court decided not to take the case. Now, this is going to be important because... Three judges wanted to take the case, and the other six said, no, we're we're good. This is something I learned from my 14-year-old son. Like, if I say, hey, do you want to eat dinner or something right now? And he'll say, I'm good. What I'm good means is, no, I'm not interested. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, anyway, so the Supreme Court said, we're good, all right, and they didn't take the case. But but Judge uh, Alioto said that we really want to take this case because it, it's not fair, you know, that he doesn't have his job during this time, Right. Um, and the reason why I said this is important is uh, this is 2019 uh, in 2000. And, you know, right after that, uh, in 2020, uh, Judge uh, Ruth Gator, Gin- Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies. Uh, and then Judge Amy Coney Barrett is appointed. Uh, and that that is the shift in the Supreme Court, because we went from, you know, like a liberal judge, you could call to a very conservative judge, you could say. Right. Um, And then, you know, so later um, when the case goes back to the Supreme Court, they they decide to take it. All right. So that's 2019. Now, if you think about it, time wise, 2019, we are four years after he got fired. Okay. so what has happened in four years? The only thing that's been decided is that. We don't he can't have a job until we decide the case. <laughs> All right. Which is funny to me because it's like, while you're at the ninth circuit court of appeal or while you're at the Supreme court, like it, I wish you could just say to the judge, you know what, your honor, while we're here, can you just decide if it was right that they fired this guy or not? Like, can you just let us know, give us a hint, you know, no, they don't. It doesn't work that way because that would be too freaking efficient. Right. So in 2019, the Supreme Court said, go back to the case, go back to the trial court and get a full decision and then appeal that and then then come back here in three years, which is what happened. <laughs> All right. Um, OK, so nobody won at this point. So it goes back to the trial court uh, and, it, and I say it goes back to the trial court, but it's actually kind of already moving along. Sometimes you could have the case moving along a little bit in the trial court and on in the appellate court. It's. It's like beautiful. It's like, it's almost like cheating on your, (laughs) cheating on your spouse. You know, you got the trial court and the appeal at the same time. All right. So uh, now everything is in the trial court. So in then 2019, we get ready to rumble. All right. What happens in 2019 is that the trial court, the, you know, the, the federal district court ruled that the school was within their right to, Fire him. Uh, and then basically the district court said the reason why it was within their right to fire him is because the school felt that uh, he was kind of like endorsing religion by doing this, that students could be coerced, even though they're not like, you know, there's no mandatory that they pray or something. Just the fact that it's going on and it's it's being led by a school coach, right? And it's right after the game. And he's, you know, technically still on the clock, you know, but he's not teaching, I mean, he's not coaching. Like after the game, is kind of like this gray zone. They're all like kind of chilling on the field for a bit before they get in the buses or, you know, go to the locker room. So it's, you know, he's technically on the clock. And and if he's on the clock and he's a coach and he's on school premises and he's at the field, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of encouraging religion. And when you encourage religion, that's kind of like coercing religion. So uh, the school was within their right to fire him. This is what the federal district court said. Now, 2020, he files an appeal to that. All right. Uh, And then the appeal goes to the Ninth Circuit Court um, and the Ninth Circuit Court affirmed the district court's opinion, which means that the Ninth Circuit Court agreed with the district court Uh, and then. He and then basically the, the Ninth Circuit Court said the same thing as the district court. They said, you know, this is encouraging religion. It's favored by him doing this. It's on school time. It's on school premises. Kids that, you know, could feel if they don't participate, they'll be, you know, ridiculed or something. It's just the fact that that could happen uh, is enough to say, you know, don't you know, that school's is allowed to fire him. Uh, <laughs> funny thing. So when this was getting more and more popular and going through the courts, like some kids or something, they they emailed the super or they emailed the principal uh, saying, oh, well, can we have a, a, a ceremony to Satan? Because we're Satanists. And oh, can we do that? Uh, if I was a lawyer for the school, I'd say, let them on. <laughs> Who cares? Let them have a freaking ceremony to Satan and a prayer for Jesus and when, whatever. You know, as long as it's not mandatory. Do you see what I'm saying? But anyway. um So that's what happened. So the Ninth Circuit agreed with the uh, district court. Uh, And then they appeal. uh, He appeals the coach to the United States Supreme Court. Now, remember what I said Uh, at this point? It's 2021. And he gets into the United States Supreme Court. What changed? Right. The Supreme Court changed. uh, And Donald Trump, uh, appointed uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. She was a law professor at Notre Dame and uh, she got hired or hired appointed to become a Supreme Court judge. Uh, and, and this was after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Uh, so she got appointed and she went through Congress and and uh, it was, you know, she, she got in. And now is where, you know, things get kind of, you know, it's it's a different Supreme Court, right? And now this time they accept the case uh, in 2021. The Supreme Court accepts the case, and now we're at the Supreme Court. Okay. Now the way it worked, this is the uh, opinion of the Supreme Court written by Justice Justice Gorsuch. Uh, I can never say his last name right, Gorsuch. Okay. And um, what happens here? It's it's kind of funny because the judge wrote the uh, what's called the opinion of the court and then other judges, Judge Thomas and Judge Aliotto, they uh, they did what's called a concurring opinion. All right. So a little little law lesson here. A concurring opinion agrees with the outcome of the court, but not necessarily how they got the outcome. You know, uh, like, for example, the Supreme Court majority said, you know, five of them said This was fair that they weren't coercing students that, you know, he was on school property, but it didn't, you know, violate the Constitution. Right. So therefore, he shouldn't have been fired. Uh, Judge Alioto said, no, he was it was kind of a private moment, even though it was on school property. And it was like, you know, nothing was, uh, you know, required. There was no you know, he wasn't grading students or anything. So Judge Alioto said it wasn't even a school Function. It was a private citizen doing a private act, um, and therefore the school should not have fired him. So you see how their result was the same, but just the reasoning to get there was different. You know. So that's what a like usually a concurring opinion is. Um, and in terms of lawyers, we love arguing. It's not even clear if a concurring opinion is precedent or not. It's kind of precedent. But it's not, (laughs) okay? So it is and it's not. Uh, You know, it depends how you argue it in future cases. And then the beautiful thing is the dissent. Um, The dissent opinion, what is a dissenting opinion? There's a lot of times not all the judges agree, uh, all right? And so the dissenting opinion is the judges that don't agree. Now, what I don't understand, in theory, if judges don't agree, okay, how did... Four judges—actually, it was three judges that wrote the dissenting opinion, dissenting opinion. Uh, How is it that judges don't agree with each other? I mean, then we're not—we are talking about the proper interpretation of the First Amendment. So in theory, if you have—in theory, if you have three judges that write a dissenting opinion— they got the law wrong, <laughs> you know, and why are we paying them so money to get the law wrong? They should be fired. <laughs> no, only lawyers can say, oh, even if they, you know, disagree, it's not that the judges are wrong. It's just that they have a different interpretation um, and it's not wrong, even though we're not going to follow it and they still get all their money, <laughs> right? Um, it'll be so beautiful if, if you tell the judges. All of you have to agree, otherwise you don't, none of you get paid. They'd come up with a decision in five seconds, right? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so now uh, let's go over kind of how the Supreme Court made this decision. It took them a year, about a year, to make this decision. So here we go. Uh, the, the way it worked goes like this. The court said, uh, first of all, are is the school uh, restricting religion, OK, that's the first kind of prong, so to speak. And then they said yes, because they clearly fired him for this religious, you know, um, activity. Uh, it wasn't he was a good coach. He was a good teacher. You know, everything he did was fine. He was getting great reviews. The students liked him. You know, people weren't complaining about him. So everything was fine. So the only problem was this uh, religious activity. Right. Um, I mean, the the school tried, (laughs) God bless them, (laughs) no pun intended. Okay. The school tried to say something like, well, uh, during those two minutes, like he's technically supposed to be supervising the kids and making sure they get to the locker room and everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the, the court said, come on, you know, every court said you fired him because of religion. Okay, cool. Now, once that happens, then we have in law, we have a this is the Supreme court talking. Okay. We have, uh, you know, discriminated against him for his religious activity. Then the government, so here being the school, they have to prove with a, what's called a strict scrutiny standard that they, you know, sh- they were within their right to fire him. And what this means is this, um, <laughs> the way I explain it, it's okay. All right. Look, so I'm married. <laughs> right. So, you know, if, if I buy like a cup of coffee, you know, okay, I don't have to give that much reasoning to the, the wife and kids and, the, and my accountant, right? It's like, dude, it's like, a uh, what does coffee cost nowadays? Like five bucks, right? So not a big deal, right? However, if all of a sudden I buy a coffee shop, <laughs> right, for, you know, $500,000, I got some answering to do you know, to the wife and kids accountant and and all of that. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? So if the school kind of says something like, you know, we fire coaches who have four losing seasons in a row, that one, they, they, they just have to have a reasonable basis to do that. Okay. But when they fire somebody for praying, you know, uh, exercising his religion, they have a much higher burden to prove. Okay. Um, so now that's what the, you know, don't quote me because, you know, don't go to the court and then use my analogy here because the court likes, you know, uh, analogies that don't make sense. (laughs) No, just kidding. Right. So, uh, this is strict scrutiny. So the theory is, you know, the higher burden and the state here, the school district has to prove that there was no better means to, uh, get their point across, so to speak. And that they, you know, they pass this strict scrutiny standard. Okay. Um, and what the Supreme Court said was, well, what's going on here? The school did not force anybody to go to the prayer. All right. The school, you know, and the coach is the school, by the way. The coach is the school. So anything the coach does, because he's an employee and he's a head coach. So anything he does, he, you know, within the scope of his employment, we consider it the school. Right. OK, so cool. So the school coach is praying in the middle of the field after the game all right uh it's voluntary you know at sometimes nobody joined him sometimes three people joined him sometimes everybody joined him sometimes uh, other students from other schools joined him sometimes they didn't right so none of it was mandatory uh also it was very quick that's what she said you know it was just like a couple minutes um it's not like he took a timeout in the third quarter and said, Hey, before we run this play, <laughs> let's pray, right? We will we'll do the pray to play play. <laughs> okay. He wasn't doing that, dang it. And um, you know, and it wasn't like broadcasted, you know, it wasn't like they recorded it and put it on their website of the school. It wasn't um, you know, like it wasn't even like anything official. You know, uh, if he wasn't feeling well, in theory, he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> he wouldn't have done it, maybe, you know. So like one day he didn't do it after he got the letter. So it wasn't even anything like scheduled, so to speak. Right. So um what the uh Supreme Court majority said was that it was not mandatory. Like I said, it wasn't mandatory. It wasn't coerced. People, you know, they weren't it wasn't even something that would make people feel bad if they didn't join, you know, like, like, for example, if he was doing this prayer thing and then he gave everyone a thousand dollars to join, I think the court would have said something different because then it's like your, the people that don't do it get screwed over, right? They don't get a thousand bucks when their friends do. Right. So uh, it would have been different. Uh, And, and so it wasn't, you know, there wasn't any sort of uh, even encouragement or benefit to going. So all of that being the case, the the majority of the Supreme Court said it, it the school district cannot fire him, all right? Uh, the First Amendment states, you know, Congress shall make no law prohibiting the exercise, the free exercise of religion, all right? I took out a, a couple of words there because it was related to, you know, free speech and this and that, but there's like two kinds of things, there's the free speech and then the, the the free exercise of religion. So the pertinent part is, Congress shall make no law prohibiting free exercise of speech. Now, the way that's been interpreted, there should be, you know, the interpretation is Congress shall make no law uh, prohibiting the exercise of free speech unless it passes a strict scrutiny test. So they made a law, you know, they, they. oh, I know I said Congress shall make no law. Later, the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause, it, uh, the interpretation was that then in addition to Congress, all state governments and city governments and, and, you know, all of those are state governments, anything under the state. So all state governments have to abide by the same rules that Congress does. So it's really because of the 14th Amendment, it's like Congress and the states and school districts and everyone else shall make no law prohibiting free exercise of speech unless it passes scrutiny. So the Supreme court uh, majority said this definitely by firing him and having this rule that he cannot have this prayer, they made a law that abridged his free exercise of speech. Okay. And it didn't pass the strict, strict scrutiny. Like, come on. The Supreme court is saying had, you know, n- nobody's going to get hurt by doing this. No one's going to get whatever. Right. Um, and that's how the majority ruled in the year uh, in, in April, 2022. Now just FYI, Justice Aliotto, you know, he wrote a concurring opinion. Judge uh, Thomas wrote a concurring opinion. Uh, and then Judge Aliotto, he's the one that said when he, you know, petitioners, that's the, the the coach's expression, occurred while at work, but during a time when a brief lull in his duties apparently gave him a f- few free moments to engage in private activities. When he engaged in this expression, he acted in purely private capacity, Okay. Uh, I don't know why he didn't just write words. Damn it. He was off the clock. <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, judges don't write things like that. Okay. So, so that, that is why he wrote the concurring opinion because he agreed with the ultimate decision, but he got there, you know, a, a different highway to get there. Okay, cool. All right. Now comes the dissenting opinion written by Justice Sotomayor, Justice Breyer, and Justin Justice Kagan. All right. So these three good judges um, you know, disagreed with the other six judges, right? And in their disagreement, they, uh, you know, they're gonna like lay down the reasoning behind this, and uh, their read the the dissenting opinion. And by the way, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal, they, uh, you know, obviously they agree; they would agree with the dissenting opinion, right? Because the Supreme Court majority over or they reversed the Ninth Circuit's uh, opinion. Okay. So the the dissenting opinion said look uh the fact that the coach is doing this he's encouraging uh students to pray he had a lot of people there it became kind of a big deal like the media got involved you know um and it just became something where they uh you know people started getting encouraged to do this you know um and then they had this theory the dissenting opinion that um of what they called indirect coercion, uh, which I think is a oxymoron, maybe indirect coercion. So you're for, you know, okay. so anyway, what they said is this. So even though it's not a captive audience, meaning it's not like he goes and prays while, you know, they're on the school bus, you know, when they can't go. like They have to see it. They have to watch it. They have to be there. Right. He's not doing that. It's in a public play. You know, people could walk around. They could leave. They could do something. In fact, people were not there, you know, they were going some other place or talking to their friends or whatever, you know, so even though it was not in a captive audience, it was not, uh, you know, you know, people weren't forced to be there. Just the fact that he was doing it um, would encourage other students to do it. All right. Uh, And God forbid, we don't want them to pray. Okay, so we would encourage them to do that. Uh, It would kind of make them feel bad if they didn't do that, like they were like left out or something. uh, And that that alone is coercing the other students to do it. Um, and and like I said, even though it wasn't broadcast, even though the school wasn't paying money to do this, even though it wasn't on the website and it wasn't scheduled and it wasn't, you know, he didn't take an attendance and he didn't like give people an award for being there or give them money for being there. None of that. But just a mere fact. Of doing that and the other people start joining in and it looks like it's something cool to do. All of that is is by itself, it's like uh it's encouraging, it's kind of endorsing uh the Christian belief, you know. Um, and these cases have gone to the Supreme Court a lot. Cases, you know, like in God we trust on the coin, <laughs> you know, that eventually was ruled to be okay, obviously. Um, you know, uh, and, and the pledge allegiance having, you know, under God, that was ruled to be okay. You know, because, um, it was kind of like, they're not endorsing one particular religion. They're just kind of endorsing an idea, <laughs> All right? This is different Supreme court cases, not this one. All right. The case is not over. Nothing is over. Nothing. After this, this was April, 2022. It took one year until now uh, so the school district gave him one million seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars just to pay his legal fees. All right, What does that mean? There's a federal law that states if you win a constitutional claim, you know, for the most part, you know, almost anything, if you win one of those cases, like a civil rights case or you know, a constitutional claim. You get your attorney fees paid for. All right. Now, why do they do this? They do this because they want to make sure people can rely on lawyers and have lawyers work the case. Uh, and 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 if they win, that the person doesn't have to spend money out of his own pocket to have the Constitution enforced. You know, uh, somewhere here, I had a list of all the lawyers that represented him. It was like seven or eight different law firms. Maybe it's better. It's just better that I can't find it right now. (laughs) You know, the bottom line is he had a lot of law firms representing him. His legal fee was $1,775,000 for all those years of litigation. So they settled that. And that was according to the settlement agreement that I have that I obtained. Uh, That money was only for his legal expenses. Okay, there wasn't. Uh, You know, it could come later. What if unless it was unless they agreed privately, you know, they may have had to pay him, you know, something Uh, in theory, he'd be entitled to because they he wasn't working all those years. Um, And so they would have to pay him back pay for all that, you know, and maybe interest on that, you know, um, maybe uh, some, you know, it it depends on exactly how. But sometimes you can get other financial uh, damages uh, they also reinstated him, so that was part of a. That was probably part of a side settlement agreement. Do you see what I'm saying? So uh, that settlement agreement. It, uh, why did it take 11 months? So it went from April all the way to March 2023, just after the Supreme Court case, just to decide uh, the money for the attorney fees. This is what happened. This happens a lot of times. It goes from the Supreme Court, Washington D.C., back to the district court and. Uh, in in Washington state, right? Uh, Ultimately, the lawyers for the coach, they filed a motion for, they could file a motion for attorney fees. That's what they did. They filed a motion for attorney fees. And uh, then it took them 11 months to settle that, (laughs) right? Because they may have said, oh, our attorney fees are worth, you know, $3 million. And then the state is like, no, we'll only give you 500,000. We're going to take this. So, There has I have been involved in cases where there was a whole new lawsuit just over the attorney fees for the lawsuit. Right. And uh, in fact, I have one case right now. We won this case in a probate case and now we're bickering about the attorney fees. Okay, so it happens. There's like a separate lawsuit over the lawsuit just for the attorney fees. And so that was just settled wow there you have it seven and a half years of very fun litigation all right you want to be a lawyer there you have it uh i love it thank you folks for all the comments as always it's my pleasure to be here i'll see you next week